0: If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. Begin by reading a short section this morning. Peter's heart for the saints to whom he's writing. 2 Peter 1 verses 12 through 14. Peter writes, Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you'll be able to call these things to mind. There in 2 Peter 1, we see Peter's desire that the saints to whom he's writing don't forget. The fear of forgetting is a uh, very viable fear, a viable fear. I don't know if there's a viable fear. It's a concerning fear for many Americans. I was reading about the fear of of forgetting, the fear of Alzheimer's, uh, the fear of dementia. It's an increasing fear, and perhaps it is as, as we see more and more people get older and they suffer of that. It is not uncommon um. Uh, to have people who are fearing losing their memory, and you can read various reports on this, talk quickly of killing themselves, even planning ahead, that if that were ever to happen to them, or, or asking for someone to take their life, if they ever start having that kind of memory loss, A great danger in Alzheimer's is wandering. Six in ten people with dementia will wander. A person with Alzheimer's Alzheimer's may not remember his or her name or address and can become disoriented or even in, in familiar places. Wandering among people with dementia is dangerous, obviously. But there are strategies and services to, to help prevent it. And if you've known anyone who's who, who suffered with that, they may go into m- memory care, a special kind of nursing home which is which is geared towards helping dementia have to be loss. Wandering off. Those with dementia have to be kept safe from wandering off. God's word this morning, the apostle Peter writes to prevent God's people from having a form of dementia, a form of forgetting the truth that they know, to prevent them from wandering from the Lord, to prevent them, as we saw last week, from failing to enter the kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This morning in 2 Peter 1, verses 12 through 15. Peter reveals his concern that the saints would not forget the truth that they know. That they would not forget the truth that they know. Today, we're going to draw draw three implications from Peter's effort of reminding them in verses 12 through 15 so that we don't forget that truth and so that we don't wander away from the Lord Jesus. Now, as we read through those verses 12 through 15, you may have noticed that Peter doesn't give any specific commands to us. There's nothing that we are commanded to do. But we do see his example. We see his passion. We see his effort. We see his seriousness about making sure that we aren't those who forget. So we're going to draw three implications from the effort that Peter shows. First, I'm going to explain the verse, which for the most part are pretty simple, and then I'm I'm going to hopefully help us apply. So let's start in verse 12. Peter begins in verse 12 saying, therefore, therefore, or for this reason, therefore, because the stakes are so high, and he looks back. Because the qualities of verses 5 and 7, and we read through those in the past, this faith applying uh, uh, adding to faith moral excellence and moral excellence knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and perseverance godliness and godliness brotherly kindness and brotherly kindness love to the extent that we have those qualities as they are ours and increasing we don't become useless we don't become unfruitful we don't become blind we don't become those we who've forgotten they've been cleansed from their former sins Peter says if you practice these qualities, if you're a person who takes the resources that God gives in verses 3 and 4 and grows, if you're a person who becomes sanctified, he says, and we saw last time, that you will never stumble. That that is the way in which, not the way that we earn salvation, but the pattern of the lives for those who enter into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's why he begins, therefore, because the stakes are so high. Because we can't avoid, I mean, we can't risk making this mistake of not growing in our Christian walks. We have to grow. We have to become sanctified. We have to build upon these great and precious promises that God has given us and put them to effort in our life. So he says, therefore, because the, the stakes are so high, He says, I will always be ready to remind you. I will always be ready to remind you. And it's an interesting way to express his purpose, especially as we'll see that Peter anticipates his death in the near future. But he says, I will always be ready to remind you. And he's going to tell us, and we we read that, I know I'm going to die soon. But I'll always be ready to remind you. So perhaps Peter's looking at this letter, at 2 Peter, as a way to remind them always, even after he is dead. The letter is going to continue on. And that is what Peter's been doing through this letter, by God's grace, for 2,000 years. He continues to be reminding us. And what is he reminding us of? It says that he will always be ready to remind you of these things. Now, that is not just the most basic description of the gospel, although the basic description of the gospel is glorious. The basic description of the gospel is that God, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That God had mercy on a world of sinners, and that God had a plan to reconcile rebels to himself. And that God appointed his own son to become man, to live a perfect life, to take the punishment of sinners, and for all those who repent and put their faith in his son who's been resurrected from the dead after paying for our sins, that we can become reconciled to him. That is that most basic gospel. But Peter's not just talking about that most basic gospel. It's everything he's been talking about, verses 3 through 13, and really these are some profound theological truths as is the basic gospel. It's the resources of verses 3 and 4, how God's power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. That is part of these things that Peter's going to keep reminding them of through this letter long after he's passed away. The resources we have in Christ Jesus being unified with participating in God's divine nature so that we can change. It is the responsibility, we we already looked at in verses five to seven. The responsibility to be growing and to adding on these qualities. And then we saw in verses eight through 11, well, what are the, the ramifications of Using these resources to fulfill these responsibilities. Well, if we do it, incredible blessing. Certainty that the gates of heaven are going to be swung wide open to us, and Jesus is going to say, Welcome, good and faithful servants. Enter in the joy of your master. But also uh, the concerning warning that those who don't practice these things are unfruitful. They're blind. Descriptions of those who are spiritually dead. This is why Peter's working hard to remind them of these things. So we've spent several weeks reminding us of these things, making them, by God's grace, ours. Now these things were especially important to the churches that Peter was writing to because of the influence of the false teachers. And we're going to get into the false teachers soon in the second chapter. They promoted salvation apart from sanctification. You can be saved and not growing and not obeying and not pleasing God. And we know that that may happen for a window of life, but not as an ongoing pattern. These false teachers promoted grace without godliness and justification without any fear of judgment. And we know that as we are justified, we don't fear Judgment in the same way, knowing that Christ has taken punishment, but we also know that we will be before the judgment seat of Christ and that he will expect us to have obeyed, not perfectly, but truly. These are these things that Peter is reminding them, and he says to them, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you, These truths of divine resources and of God's expectations, of the consequences and blessings that follow, these saints knew these things. The truth is present with them, they had been established in them. That Peter's not giving them something new, that he understood that this was part of the basic gospel going forward, that as churches were planted, these are the truths that were taught. He says that they've been established in them. He's confident that they have an unmovable foundation, that they are fixed in the truth, that they are unshakable, that they are strong. Even as he calls on them to to make their calling and election sure, to demonstrate through their obedience that they have been elected by God, he's confident. But it's also true that those who are confident can become confused. And those who are solid can become shaken. And that's why he's writing, to remind them. He's writing to, that those who are established will remain established. And really, he's writing to fulfill the commission that the Lord Jesus gave him. In Luke 22, verses 31 to 32, Jesus told Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. You are going to be tested, Simon. And Jesus knew that he was going to fail. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And that's exactly what Peter's doing here. Peter is is fulfilling what Jesus had told him that he had been praying for Peter, that Peter would spend his life strengthening the brothers. And that is why he is writing here. He encourages them that, that, that you have This truth. It is present with you. You've been established in it. And with that encouragement, there's an implied warning. Don't move. Don't give up that truth. Don't slide away from it. And he says that this truth is present with you. Peter was not teaching them new doctrine, he wanted them to remember the main things. The truth that they already knew. And that is the first implication we're going to look at. Remember the truth. Remember the truth. Again, Peter's not commanding them to remember the truth. It is implied there. And maybe you're thinking about that. Like, remember the truth. Well, I know I should remember the truth. That's why I'm here. Yet Peter knew that that was essential for them. Remember the truth. So we have to not move away from that. We have to remember the truth. Growing up Jewish, Peter knew how important it was to remember. It was important that they remember God's law. Central to their faith is Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9. These words, which, which, which Moses, God was uh, proclaiming God's law to them through his prophet Moses, these words, which I am commanding you today, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And why were they to be written on the doorposts? And why were they to be written on the gates? And why were they to be put on their foreheads? And that was just showing to them the importance. Don't forget this law. So Peter grew up knowing that. Don't forget God's law. But also, don't forget God's grace. They had a a weekly Sabbath to remind them of God's grace. In Deuteronomy 5, verse 15, it says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Why? Because you shall remember your rescue. Don't forget God's grace to you. Don't forget how God rescued you. See, Peter grew up remembering God's law, remembering his rescue from Egypt weekly on the Sabbath. There was the yearly Passover that was part of him remembering. Exodus 12, verses 26 and 27 describes the Passover meal. And when your children say to you, what does this rite mean to you as they put the uh, the the uh, lamb's blood on, on the uh, door as they ate that uh, unleavened bread. You shall say, it's a Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the house of the sons of Israel in Egypt when he smote the Egyptians, but spared our homes. It is for them to remember, for their kids to remember. So the people of Israel were continually remembering what God had done for them. Israel was called not to forget. I'm going to read just a few verses here because it shows the importance that even Peter grew up knowing not to forget. Deuteronomy 6.12, watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt. Deuteronomy 8.11, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes which I'm commanding you today. Later in Deuteronomy 8, verses 18 and 19. But you shall remember the Lord your God. It shall come about if you ever forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them. I testify against you today that you will surely perish. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. But that is exactly what Israel did. Psalm 78 verse 11 describes how Israel forgot God's deeds and his miracles that he had shown them. They forgot his deliverance. Psalm 106 verse 7, our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember your abundant kindness. but rebelled by the sea. Psalm 106 verse 13, they quickly forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. Isaiah 17, verse 10, for you have forgotten the God of your salvation and have not remembered the rock of your refuge. Isaiah 51, verse 13, that you have forgotten the Lord your maker who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. Hosea 13, verse 6, as they had their pasture, they became satisfied. And being satisfied, the heart became proud, therefore they forgot me. And that is the story of Israel in the Old Testament, God blessing them again and again and again, and them continually forgetting him. Peter wrote so that they would not forget and wander from the Lord, like Israel had done so often. Why do we need to remember this truth? We need to remember the truth, not just the basic core gospel, but all of these great and precious truths that Peter has been calling us to, the resources we have and and the expectations that God has and the warnings that God has because our hearts are fickle. Our hearts are distractible because we see so much potential for prestige and success and possessions Because we can covet in an easier, more simple way. We forget how good we have it with the Lord, and we begin to wander. We must remember the truth because we believe we can exist independently from the Lord. Now, I know that none of you would say, oh yeah, well, that is what I believe now, but that's what happens over time. When we forget God's goodness and his grace to us, we begin to think that we can live independently from him. We have to remember because there is a cost to discipleship. We will not want to say no to ourselves. Saying no to ourselves, denying ourselves, picking up our cross and following him is hard. And over time, the threat of of persecution, of isolation, of shame, of just missed pleasure will start seeming alluring to us. To say, to not pick up our cross and follow. It'll seem easier. And that's why we need to keep remembering because the Christian walk is hard. We must remember this truth because we are susceptible to deceit. 2 Peter 3, in the same book, Peter's going to say, you therefore, beloved... Knowing this beforehand, be on your guard so that you are not carried away by the error of unprincipled men and fall from your own steadfastness. We can't forget lest we fall. Philippians 3.1, Paul says, To write the same thing again is no trouble for me, and it is a safeguard for you. Hebrews 13 verse 9, do not be carried away by varied and strange teachings. And this is why we need to remember the truth. We need to keep repeating the main things. We need to keep reminding ourselves of the gospel, but not only the gospel. We need to stick to these main truths that have been proclaimed for 2,000 years. We must remember this truth. And that was Peter's passion as he looks toward the end of his life is that they remember this truth. And that's why he's going to write this letter. In verses 13 and 14, Peter Peter continues and we'll get to the second implication in a minute after looking at the verse. The first was remember the truth and the second we'll get to after looking at verses 13 and 14. He says, I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder. He says, I consider it right to stir you up by way of reminder. Consider it right. That means what is just, what is righteous, what is in accordance with God's requirements. I am fulfilling God's requirements by stirring you up. Now, this was an appropriate application for Peter of his call as an apostle, but also as a brother in Christ, because he loved them. To stir up or wake up, this is the same word that, uh, uh, that was used when the disciples awoke Jesus, who was sleeping on, on the boat. It's the same word used as the wind stirring up a storm, it's to be moved out of a state of inactivity. He says he's going to stir them up by way of reminder. By reminding the same ancient truths. By reminding of truths that are old but not stale. Not by bringing something new. Not by by trying to find something that someone's never heard before. Not by trying to wow them with his intellect and creativity. But it is through truth written in such a way as to move. With emotions that reflect the weight of that truth, with imploring and with earnestness. And he says, How long will he stir them up? He says, I will stir you up by way of reminder as long as I am in this earthly dwelling. Peter would continue doing this righteous reminding as long as he could, but he knew his time was limited. Now, earthly dwelling comes from the Greek word for tent. Your your ESV Bibles, for some of you have them, it, it translated as body. So making the analogy really clear. So whether it is earthly dwelling, body, tent. Peter knew that he would soon lay aside his dwelling. Packing up his tent was imminent. Now, that's what it says in verse 14, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And we don't exactly know how he knew this. It could be simply because at this time, he was probably 60 to 70 years old. That, that was particularly old in that ancient world. It was, it was far above average. Perhaps it was because of his age, or perhaps it was because of the increasing the increasing persecution that was spreading. He was likely in Rome. Perhaps it's possible that even by this time, Nero's persecution had, had really uh, gone in force, uh, 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 gone in force against the Christians. Nero had uh, claimed that the Christians were responsible for the burning of Rome in 64. So maybe that's how... Peter knew that the time of him taking off of this flesh was imminent. But he says, as also. So so there were other, there were other indications his time was coming up. But he also says, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And, and, we, and we don't exactly know when that was. Perhaps the Lord Jesus had, had appeared to him and said, Peter, the time's almost up. Or maybe, and we think that this is most likely referring to Jesus' prophecy in John 21, verses 18 to 19. When Jesus, before ascending into heaven, says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished. He's talking to Peter. But when you grow old, Peter, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. That's John 21, 18 to 19. And Jesus most likely and, 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 and most commentaries agree that Jesus is prophesying that Peter himself would be crucified, that his arms would be stretched out, that he'd be tied to the cross or, or forced to bear his own cross as well and taken where he didn't want to go. Peter knew that his time was almost up. So what does he do with his remaining days? There's probably only a few things on his bucket list and we hear what, the, what, what it is here. It's to remind others of the truth. So first, we, we know, we see the value of remembering the truth, but here is our second implication we draw from this. Remind others of the truth. And that follows, right? If, you're, if, you, if you see the value of this truth, if you see the potential we have to slide away from this truth, well, then you're going to remember others of the truth if you love them. And Peter considered it right to stir them up by way of reminder. See, reminding others was a matter of righteousness, of obedience. And to not do this, reminding others, was to be unfaithful. It was to be unrighteous. Each of you is called to make disciples. I think that we can apply some of the, 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 the verses here about how those in Israel were to pass on God's word to their children. I'm going to read from you Psalm 78 verses 3 through 7, which talks about passing on the truth of God's word to the next generation. This is true of our discipling as well. Psalm 78 verses 3 through 7, which which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us, so this is talk, talking about the, the, the works of God and his grace and his deliverance. He says, we, verse 4 of Psalm 78, We will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wondrous works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should teach them to their children. That the generation to come might know, even the children yet to be born, that they may arise and tell them to their children, that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. It is right for you to remind one another of these main truths. To remind each generation of believers following you of these main truths. To teach your biological children, to teach your biological grandchildren, to teach your spiritual children and your spiritual grandchildren these main truths. To teach those who are in your care groups these main truths. And that is not just a a, 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 a care group leader to care group activity or a shepherd to sheep activity. This is something that we all need to be engaged in one another's lives doing. Reminding one another of these main truths. We need to be stirred up by them. Remembering, reminding is right because we need to be stirred up because naturally we can become lazy and lethargic. We can become sleepy towards the things of the Lord. And we don't see the clarity that we once did. It's like it's time for for our glasses to be updated. We need to see with a new prescription and it's not a problem with the truth. It's a problem with our eyes, that over time, they, 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 they get old, and they fatigue, and we don't see the way that we should. It's like when you see a movie multiple times. I know that, that for some of you, that sounds like a crazy thing, is who has the time to watch a movie multiple times? But you probably have experienced this. The first time you see a movie, it's thrilling. It's the best thing you, you, you've ever seen. You can't wait to see it again. And the second time, you're like, I'm a little disappointed. that's that's not quite the same and the third time you're falling asleep we need to be stirred up we need to be awoken to the majesty of the gospel we need to, to, to to be get out of our spiritual bed and be woken up to see the sunrise to see how beautiful god's grace is to be, just to be amazed again at the resources we have in Christ, to look at this life that he's calling us to and say, whoa, that's a beautiful and good life. We need to be stirred up. Reminding is right because we need to be stirred up. It's also right because of the danger of false teachers. And again, we will, we, we will see that in chapter 2. False teachers who promise an easier way, more pleasure and less guilt, Today's false teachers allure with the promises of happiness and personal freedom, right? You, 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 you just need to be authentic. You just need to, to, to do what you want, and you'll be happy. That's what today's false teachers teach. They teach, accept everyone as they are and be accepted just as you are. They teach a, a costless, crossless Christianity that passes the world's scrutiny. That kind, kind of Christian that, that you can sit down and, with someone and, and, and they can say what they think and you can say what you think and no one's going to be offended. That's what today's false teachers teach. A Christianity without any teachings that might offend anyone. A Christianity without eternal judgment? A Christianity without men and women's roles? A Christianity without six-day creation? A Christianity with, with, with mar- without marriage as God designed it? A Christianity without the, 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 without Jesus being the only way? A Christianity without the return of Christ? And that was the Christianity that these false teachers were saying. Jesus isn't coming back to, to, to judge. You've already been saved. You're fine. Just live the way that you want. See, these false teachers are going to keep coming, and they've been coming forever, and they're going to keep coming. So, we need to be reminding one another. We need to remind one another because we forget the commitments that we made, we panic at the prospect of persecution. We desire again what once we knew brought spiritual death and it's starting to look good again to us when at one time it was fouled to us. We start wandering where we don't belong, where we start longing for a Christianity that doesn't have a cost because we are prone to wander and so we need to remind one another. I need to be reminded by you and you need to remind one another. So don't grow weary in this ministry of reminding. Keep doing it. Be like Ezra in Ezra 7.10, for Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and then to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. We are all to be making disciples. We are all to be passing on God's commandments and God's promises. 1 Timothy 4.6, Paul says to Timothy, In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. And that is true of you as you take the responsibility that God has given you both in your family and then in the body of Christ and, and, and keep reminding one another of these things, you become a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you've been following. And that's what we need to do. We need to make sure we are continually nourished on the words of the faith and the doctrine which we've been following. So we need to remember the truth. We need to remind others of the truth. And let's look at verse 15 now. Peter says, And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure you will be able to call these things to mind. Peter again uses the future tense here. Again, it's surprising after announcing his death. I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure. Peter's future diligence is accomplished through this letter. And at any time in the future, the saints would be able to pick up this letter and remind themselves of what the main things are. Diligent, it's the same word that we saw in verse 10 in the command to be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. It's it's talking about his diligence, his effort, his zeal, his passion, his work, and that diligence, that zeal is directed towards the saints so that after his departure, after his 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 exodus, after his leaving this life, the saints will be able to call these things to mind. Again, it's these things, the truth, which Peter's been teaching in this letter. Peter is preparing the saints for a future of remembering, for a future of remembering. And that Brings us to our third, third, third implication we're drawing from Peter. Leave the truth behind. So we need to remember the truth ourselves. We need to remind others of the truth. And then we need to leave the truth behind. Now that's not leave the truth behind and then go on without the truth. It's leaving the truth behind as our legacy. Peter had more clarity than most of us how soon his departure was. Imagine Peter, long living with the certainty that he was going to be crucified. And now aware that the time is soon. He knew how he was going to use his remaining time. How will you diligently use the time remaining to you? We only have so long in this tent And so we must ask ourselves, what are we going to leave behind? Is it temporary or of eternal importance? I've wondered, as, as the internet is being filled with Instagram feeds and Facebook feeds and whatever the next social media thing is, will our kids take the time to look through those Facebook feeds or those Instagram feeds? I mean, it's kind of an interesting kind of diary of our lives. Are they going to look back? Well, they look back and say, well, I've got a couple months already. Are they going to go through, you know, 10, 20, 30 years of our online lives? Or I wonder how often our kids are going to look at the millions of pictures that are somewhere safely hidden in the cloud the collections of stuff that we have is going to be meaningless to them. Probably sold at an estate for cents on the dollar. But if, but if you have kids, your kids will likely remember the stories you told again and again. Right? Your family stories. You, you probably have them from your parents the stories that keep getting told. Or maybe they'll remember your sayings, the kinds of things you said again and again. You're going to leave something behind. What truths about the Lord Jesus will you leave behind? And I'm not just talking about our biological children. Some of us may never have biological children. I'm talking about our spiritual children, those that we are engaged discipling those that we share the gospel with and come to know the Lord Jesus. See, Peter's diligence extended beyond his, this current life. He was seeking to be generationally diligent so that after his exodus, saints would still be able to recall. And, and Paul says, in 2 Timothy 2.2, the things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So what truth are you going to leave behind? And, I, and, and the most simple gospel, whether three letters... You know, the gospel is as easy as A, B, C, admit that you're a sinner, believe in Jesus Christ and call upon him or, or four spiritual laws or five colors in a wordless book. The basic gospel is good, but that's not all Peter's talking about here. He's talking about these, this, this body of doctrine and that is what he's gonna pass on before he departs so that it lives on after him. What will those you disciple remember you taught them about God's character? about the love of Jesus Christ, about how they are to make their calling and election sure. And maybe they won't remember specifics of what you said because you never say the same thing twice. You may not have any favorite sayings, but maybe they'll remember your constant opening of God's word. Maybe they'll remember your, fi- your fingers flipping through well-worn passages Or maybe they'll remember how you couldn't share your testimony without getting teary eyes. Will you be diligent now so that those you love will be able to recall God's truth to mind later? Will you leave behind the truth? Peter knew how easy it was to forget When the Lord Jesus told Peter he would wander, Peter rebuked Jesus. In Luke 22, verses 54 to 62, describes Peter wandering from the Lord Jesus. describes how Jesus, having been, 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 been arrested, they led Jesus away and brought him to the house of the high priest. But Peter was following at a distance. After they had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter was sitting among them. And a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the firelight and looking intently at him, said, This man was with him too. But he denied it, saying, Woman, I, I, I do not know him. A little later, another saw him and said, you are one of them too. But Peter said, man, I am not. This is the same Peter who wrote this. After about an hour had passed, another man began to insist, saying, certainly this man also was with him, for he's a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. Immediately while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked at Peter and Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had told him, Before a rooster crows, today you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept to be bitterly. Peter had been prone to wander, right? Peter knew truth, but he forgot. Peter knew that others would be tempted too. Our uh, title this 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 morning, prone to wander, comes from that song. Uh, Come, the fountain of blessing, and it, and the last stanza says, "O oh, to grace, how great a debtor! Daily I'm constrained to be. Let that let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee." You may not know what a fetter is. Fetter is chains, and I love that verse. It's a great verse, and we could. Change it, though. We could say, "O oh, to grace how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy truth like a fetter, like a chain, bind my wandering heart to thee. We want God's truth to keep us from wandering. We can't forget God's truth. Let's pray together. Now, Father, I thank you Uh, for this insight into Peter's heart, and it's a heart of your child who loves your children. And Father, I pray that you would uh, help us, even though there's, there's, there's no commands specifically given, there is a model to be followed. There's an important example for us. And Father, we want to be faithful uh, to have this, this same concern for your glory in the same uh, concern for our brothers and sisters, that we would be faithful to make sure that they don't forget God's truth, that we would do everything we can to be passing on this legacy of knowing your truth and that we would be reminding ourselves of these truths. Father, I pray that you would protect us uh, from that sluggishness, from that sleepiness, from a, a and, and this is important, Lord, even from a introspection, uh, even as we've gone over these, these past weeks and, 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 and perhaps are, are, are examining ourselves too much and forgetting about your grace and your goodness. Lord, I pray that you would waken us with the truths from your word. And Father, I don't pray that just for this service now or for as we sing, Lord, but for this upcoming week. I pray, Lord, that we would be stimulating our hearts with the same truths, Lord. It's not just about about finding something new and fascinating, a a new spin on a new theology, Lord, but reminding ourselves of the things that we know so well, the things which are able to keep us uh, believing. through through your grace, until we do get to go home. Father, we pray for um, those among us who are tempted to wander. Lord, I pray that you would make these truths just so refreshing, real. Help us to be faithful to speak them. Help us to be faithful to plead with them. Help us to use these truths well, Lord, and we do pray that we'd be be, be passing them on, that each of us would be involved in in various ways, Lord, in fulfilling the great commission your son has given of making disciples. These truths were not meant to stop us. We are are not the the dam where these truths stop, but we are part of a river that's been going for 2,000 years, and we want it to keep going. Help us to be faithful in our church family, Lord, but also to be faithful looking outside of our church family to those who have yet to taste of your grace, Lord. Your elect who, who you are going to call to yourselves, Lord, and help these, these truths to be burning in our hearts so that we would be ready to, to, to burst with them and to pass them on to someone, Lord. So help us, Father, to keep reminding ourselves of these truths, to, re, to remind others of them, and to pass them on. In Jesus' name, amen.